You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Hello, hello. No, I'm not Gary Delabate. I am your host, Mike Carlin, and this is Uncorking a Story. I'm in a silly mood if you couldn't tell. Today, I'm going to share with you some thoughts I have on enjoying the journey. Now, since I've gotten older, I always feel like I'm in a rush to do things and just get stuff off my plate as quickly as I can. You know, business-wise, when an email comes in, I have this compulsion inside me to respond to it, you know, just as quickly as I can for fear that, you know, the person who I'm responding to might be disappointed in me if I don't provide a quick enough response. And, and I would do this even when it would take me out of the moment of doing something else. I mean, doing it after business hours, on the weekends, et cetera. But it's not just business-wise where, where I've been in a rush in my life. You know, when it comes to family time, and I'll remind some of you who know, and, and for new listeners, I'll make you aware, you know, I'm the father of triplets. Now, they're, they're 18 years old now. They just started college this past fall. But when they were younger, I always felt, you know, eager for them to get to the next stage of life, you know, from crawling to walking to talking to being potty trained. Now, you know, in fairness to me, a lot of that had to do with the fact that I was completely overwhelmed. You know, my wife and I were completely overwhelmed. You know, I was 27. I had three kids. I went from zero to three kids in three minutes. And it, it, it was just, you know, I never even babysat before. <laughs> Here I am you know, with three premature babies. It was, you know, it's kind of mind blowing. But, you know, the other night I was going through old photos and some old videos, um, you know, because it's COVID and, and I've got nothing else to do in bed. But, um, you know, I found myself longing for the days when, you know, frankly, they needed me more, you know, and I, I have this like dissonance around it. You know, at the time they needed me so much, I was overwhelmed. Now they need me less. I mean, you know, unless someone needs money. and. <laughs> um, you know, now I was looking at those videos. I'm like, man, I missed the days when I used to hold them and rock them to sleep and, and tell them stories at night. You know, my son, he would make me tell him like 1500 stories. I could recite Harold and the Purple Crayon, you know, by memory. I didn't even need to look at the words. I knew the four stories. We had this little anthology, four story anthology of Harold and the Purple Crayon. I could do it by memory. I also love Madeline. And I could I could talk about Madeline and Miss Clavel and the girls and the neat little rose. I don't know. I've kind of forgotten about it, but whatever. That's not the point. The point was, the point was at the time, but the point is, I should say at the time, I wasn't taking the time to enjoy the journey. When I was a kid though, you know, I felt like I did. And maybe, maybe that's the thing. Like as kids, we live in the moment more. Um, but, but just quick stories here. You know, we moved to Connecticut from Florida in the early 1980s. But my grandparents, they, they remained down in, in South Florida. They lived in Pompano Beach. And it's a place that, that still has a very, you know, soft spot in my heart. But every year as, as kids, we would drive down 
you know, from from Connecticut down to Florida, it would take, you know, two days, you know, two solid days, maybe a day and a half. If if dad got us up at five in the morning and we we drove, you know, till eight o'clock at night, sometimes you know, we'd make it into South Carolina. Sometimes, you know, one time we made it to the Georgia border, which was pretty wild. But, um, you know, usually we take about two days and that's longer than flying. Right. That's a, obviously it's a lot longer than flying unless you're on like Spirit Airlines or something. Then it could be shorter. But, um, but you know, but what do you think about like when we get together as a family, you know, those of us who did the drives and for the most part, it was my father, my mother, and then my twin brother and me, my older siblings, you know, they were in college for, for these years that we were doing There's a big age gap between us. So they were really weren't with us as much on, on these long ass car trips. But, but what do you think we talk about when we get together and we reminisce about those vacations? We don't talk about what we did on those vacations. We actually talk about the the adventures we had while doing the drive. And there are too many adventures to talk about. But one that comes to mind was the time that we popped a tire right out of Washington, D.C. So we were going through, I think we, we were coming out of a tunnel and my dad popped a tire. And it, this was like a scene right out of a Christmas story, except for the fact that my mother was playing the part of Ralphie. Oh, now, if if you know my father, he's a wonderful man, doesn't have a lot of patience, doesn't really do good in high pressure situations. And I would I would, you know, to his credit, say changing a tire on I-95 when when trucks are whizzing by stressful situation. So it's dark out. She's holding a flashlight. And, you know, his use of profanity could really make Quentin Tarantino blush. And he said to her. Arlene, shine the light on the fucking nuts. And to cut the tension, my mother takes the flashlight and points the beam between his legs. And they they both came back into the car laughing hysterically. And that is actually a gift my mother has. You know, she is a a wonderful person and she's going to be a saint someday. I'm telling you, the Pope is going to canonize her. But, um, you know, that was (laughs) that was just one story. There was another time we're driving down. And, you know, it was a freak snowstorm in I think it was North Carolina. I think it was it was past Virginia. I think it was definitely North Carolina. Wouldn't it make sense if it was South Carolina? So we're going through North Carolina, I-95, and it's snowing so bad they close I-95. And there's a state trooper who like points points to our car and points to the exit, suggesting that we get the hell off the highway. Well, my father was making good time in his mind. So he decides to blow past the state trooper and continue on south. Now, the problem is all the Holiday Inns and the Howard Johnsons, you know, all these roadside hotels that we would always stay at on these drives, they were all booked. So and dad always liked to stay right off of 95 so we can get easy on in the morning and and continue down the way. So the fact that we've got to veer, you know, west a little bit, getting the man just a tad upset so we find a place that they have one room left, right? So it's it's the four of us, mom, dad, Jim, me. And it's, it could best be described as the Bates Motel. I mean, it, it, it actually made the Bates Motel look like, you know, the Ritz Carlton. But but, you know, we, we will stay there and they had this like little like little like country steakhouse like right next door. But uh, that was where I, I first tried French onion soup. And uh, not French onion soup, beef barley soup. I've had French onion soup before that day. Beef barley soup. First time I had it, 
fell in love with it. I, to this day, love beef barley soup. Whenever I eat it, I say I love you. And then we reminisce about this trip. I love you. I love you. I love you. Now, the other thing about that trip, I remember when we got back from having the beef barley soup, we there was nothing much on TV, but Eddie Murphy, I think it was raw. What was the one where he had the purple, the leather purple outfit? I think it was raw. And my father was not a big fan of Eddie Murphy because he used profanity, which to me is completely ironic because, again, the man had a love affair with swearing. But uh, I just remember the four of us sitting watching Eddie Murphy raw. And it was uh, it was it was it was uh, just very memorable. But that's not the creme de la creme moment. The creme de la creme moment of these trips where we were enjoying the journey was when my mother contracted a stomach bug the morning we were supposed to leave Pompano Beach and drive back to Florida. Now, remember, you know, this is two days, you know, at best a day and a half in very close quarters. And, you know, she starts to feel better midday. So we were thinking about delaying the trip a day. Now, why we didn't delay the trip a week, I couldn't tell you. But she starts feeling better midday, and Don decides that we're going to go for it. So, and I don't know why. I don't know why he was in such a rush to get home. Like, we're like, hey, we're in Florida. We're having fun. It's cold up north. But whatever. Fine. Maybe dad's got to get back to work. I don't know. I'm not Columbo. Anyway, one by one on the on the on the drive up, we fall. And this my sister was actually with us on this trip. So she's the first to to go down. You know, she makes my dad pull over and then Jimmy gets it and then I get it. And let me tell you, it's coming out of both ends. And and we nicknamed that car. It was an old it was an old Oldsmobile Delta 88, which from that trip forward was nicknamed the Vomit Comet. Ah, good afternoon, sir. And how are we today? Better. Better? Better get a bucket. I'm going to throw up. And, and I thank Rob Salmonen for introducing me to Monty Python. But man, that was a rough trip home. My father never got sick. He, uh, he managed to stay strong. And for some reason, here's the thing. When you drive, you know, to Florida from, from Connecticut or, or vice versa, um, you you have a, a choice to go out of your way and take something called you know the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. It's also known as the 17 mile bridge. So it extends the trip by like 45 minutes, but you go on this cool, you know, really long bridge with tunnels and stuff. And for some reason, we decide to take it. Like four people in the car with a stomach bug, no place to pull over, mind you. And we decide to take the 17 mile bridge. I don't know. Again. I'm not Columbo. I, I really would love to get to the bottom of that decision making, but here I am. Um, but here, this is so, so I'm thinking about this topic, right? This topic of, of, of enjoying the moment, enjoying the journey and kind of reflecting on how, like as an adult, I, I haven't been able to do it as much. And when I was thinking about this, I was reminded of an interview I did early on in Uncorking a Story. It featured a discussion with um, Shihan Manny Esmeraldo who runs a place called The Dojo. He's got two locations, one in Stanford, one in Westport. And my kids and I used to train there when we were all younger. And uh, he always used to give us these, these great you know, pep talks. You know, it wasn't just about training in the martial arts. He, he gave us these great you know, pep talks about, about the mind and kind of training your mind. And, and it was part like motivational speaker, like he was part Tony Robbins, you know, part Bruce Lee. Um, and uh, one day I remember he talked about, you know, you know, being in the moment at your best and kind of leaving everything in the parking lot before you walk into the dojo. And, and I sat down and I talked to him about it. But 
we also got into a conversation about kind of rushing, rushing things and enjoying the journey. And, and this is what he has to say about the journey of getting a black belt at the dojo. Oh, no. I mean, it's it's true what you're saying. It's it's you know, it happens inside of you. There's you know, there's a reason why, like we're talking about adults doing martial arts There's a reason why adults don't do martial arts. You just don't want to take that step. It's a reason why adults don't do lots of things. Like you said, if it's not easy, it's not convenient, it's right in their face, and it, and it can get done really quickly, they're not doing it. You're not getting, at least at this school, you're not getting your black belt in a year. You're just not. Even if you are, like, the most awesome, you're not getting it on principle. I'm not helping you. I'm not being compassionate to you by giving you stuff really, really quickly. It's not working. It's not going to be beneficial towards you in the, to you in the, in the long run. So, so that's not what it is. A lot of people have been training at the school for years and years and don't have their black belt yet. But when they get it, it's going to mean a lot. You know, if it was two years and, and here's, your, here's your white belt, two, 24 months later, here's your black belt, I mean, that's great. You may have the physical skills, but have you learned everything that it takes, starting with patience? And, and, and learning how to, you know, uh, learning how to plant the seeds before you start picking the vegetables. You know, you have to wait. You know, you have to be patient with it. You have to, uh, you know, you have to want, want more from yourself and push yourself more, uh, to be able to do it. Again, you wouldn't think it was a big deal if you got it in a year and a half. It wouldn't be a big deal. Did you catch what he said there about planting the seeds before you eat your vegetables? Like, how about that? You know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of you know, what he was talking about with uh, Freud's uh, pleasure principle, which stated that delayed gratification is better than immediate gratification. But but think about what Shihan is saying there. You know, it's if it's easy, then it wouldn't mean as much. You know, when you go out and, and, and you work hard at something and then you get recognized for that, that recognition will mean more to you than if you just did something half-assed. You know, it's kind of like why I hate the idea of participation trophies. <laughs> you know, it's it, they don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. And there's another expression I'm sure you've heard, you know, all the time, at least I have, which is easy come is easy go. And no, that's that's not just a Kip Winger song. You know, there's a reason why people who win the lottery often go broke. There's a reason why people take better care of things that they've had to work for than things that they've been given. And I think cars are a good example there. You know, give a teenager a car and, you know, it, it, more, more likely than, than not, it's, it's going to be messy. If that teenager bought the car with his or her own money, then they're going to, you know, keep better care of it. And I know I, know I diverted a little bit from, from the topic here, um, which is, you know, kind of as adults, we need reminders to help us enjoy the journey. You know, my personal issue is that there's always something on my mind. You know, I, I could be at a recreational event like a game or a concert and I find myself thinking, will there be traffic on the way home? What am I going to do when I get home? What am I going to do tomorrow? And that kind of thinking prevents me from living in the moment. I mean, I'm conscious of it now, but it really prevented me from living in the moment. And, and there's other culprits in my house as well. You know, it's not just me. You know, every night my wife and I, we have dinner, do the dishes. And then we retire. We sound like an old couple. I mean, we act like an old couple. I'll tell you that. <laughs> we, we retire to the study and we watch, you know, SVU. That, that's our gig. And the more, majority of the time, she's actually glued to her phone, you know, and she's going through, through Facebook and social media. And it's like that phone takes her out of the moment that she and I are trying to share, you know, watching, watching a program. 
you know, and, and, and she doesn't just glance at the damn phone. Like she looks at it so intently as if like the answers to all of life's secrets are somehow on the pages of Facebook. And, and, you know, I, I didn't mean to pick on her. I was picking on me before, you know, we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of doing things that take us out of the moment. The question is, once we become aware of that, what do we do about it? And as you might imagine, I have some thoughts. And I think the first step is awareness, you know, being aware of, of what your actions are suggesting to others. You know, it isn't just you who you're shortchanging by not enjoying the journey. It's the other people in your life as well. Or I should say it could be the other people in your life as well. You know, when you're with others and you're not embracing the moment because you're distracted by your phone or your thoughts on work, you just remember that your behavior might suggest to that other person that you don't value your time with them. So, you know, if you're aware of your own behavior and what it suggests to others, you know, maybe you'll be more likely to keep it in check. And the second part is just is simply reminding ourselves that the journey is part of the fun. You know, think about it as, as, as you think about reading a good book. You know, when you're so engrossed in a story, you don't want it to end. You don't want to rush to the last page to see what happens or the conclusion, you know, how the author wraps everything up. You want to stay on the journey. You want to stay in that book. But conversely, you know, how many times have you been let down by a story that just ends abruptly? You know, so so I guess my advice here, my thought is let's enjoy the story that we're writing with our lives. You know, let's not rush to the end. And then, you know, let's let's find a way to simply enjoy being where we are. You know, on those long car trips, my brother and I, <laughs> we'd record these silly. He used to want to be a radio DJ. So we would record these like silly radio programs on an old boombox. And that's I know we're dating ourselves, but we used to record these like little radio programs. And we'd make up stories by the people, you know, about the people we saw driving. You know, we, we had fun with it. We had fun with it. So, you know, find the joy in any situation and you're more likely to stay present in it. You know, it's not too dissimilar to Mary Poppins, right? <laughs> you know, the whole point of a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down is, you know, find something fun in a task that you have. And, you know, it, it won't be, you know, a task anymore. It'll actually be fun. And I tell, I remember that those car trips were the best. So lastly, here's my fourth point, and then I'll stop. Uh, if we are distracted by things like our phones, and again, guilty as charged here, you know, maybe we just don't bring them to certain situations. You know, like like when we go watch TV or watch a movie, maybe we we leave them in the other room. You know, it just it reminds me of like you know, like when when I was trying to lose weight, you know, somebody said, "Hey, you know, don't buy potato chips because if you don't buy potato chips, you can't go to the pantry and eat them." Well, yeah, okay. Well, if you don't have your phone in your room with you, you you can't look at it when you should be paying attention to to someone else or something else. So so there's that. You know, if the phone is is your Achilles heel, you know, leave it in another room. Um, you know, if you go to a party or a sporting event, you know, maybe you leave the damn thing in the car. You know, somebody else are going to take the pictures. You know, maybe you miss out on a couple selfies, but and don't get me started on selfies at concerts. It drives me nuts. Anyway, um, Shihan Manny again. He used to say, "In the moment, ask at your best." Right when he walked onto the mat in his dojo, everything from the outside world had to stay outside of the mat. And and you know, looking back, that was a real gift because you know the one hour that we had you know, in his dojo was one hour we were doing something for ourselves. We couldn't be doing something for our kids. We couldn't be doing something for our bosses. We couldn't be doing something for our spouses. Nobody could interrupt us. You know, I mean, I mean, like my training was often interrupted because I would break a toe 
um, every now and then by kicking a guy named Dan Shear. I mean, his tibia probably has scars on it from my house. And the guy was like 6'13", you know, like he was, he's, he's a big dude. He's like a man mountain. And here I am, you know, 5'10", you know, 5'10 in heels. And, uh, <laughs> but you get what I mean, right? You get what I mean in the moment at your best. You can't eat your vegetables before you plant the seeds. So remember, the older you get, the quicker that time passes. And, and let's let's make a promise to ourselves not to waste the short amount of time that we're given. So thank you for listening to another episode of Uncorking a Story. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And also, we appreciate your telling friends about the podcast or maybe relatives, maybe friends who are your relatives or relatives who are your friends. Um, That does help us spread all of the good news and the good word of Uncorking a Story to more people. And I'll tell you what, we're going to be back on Monday with another episode. And guess what? Next Thursday, man, do I have a treat for you. But I'll tell you more about that on Monday. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye.